blaring our podcast. Nothing is sweeter than SwiftCast. Hey, everybody. Hey. 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 And welcome to episode 60 of SwiftCast. Uh, this is Nate. Ashley. Haley. And Seth. And we're all very happy to be back. We all just had an awesome vacation with each other in Connecticut. Uh, also with Jill, who unfortunately is not on the episode with us. Um, and also our friend Ashley Smith. So thankfully, the uh, we all got together. I was actually last minute. I wasn't supposed to show up, but I was able to, fortunately. You surprised us. Well, kind of surprised us. Yeah, it was, it was just kind of like last minute. <laughs> I just kind of showed up in Jill's driveway, like the next morning. So. <laughs> And you got to go see Katy Perry. Yeah. We didn't have to sit with a, a weirdo that we met off Craigslist. There are quite a few of those running around, so, yeah. <laughs> it's very difficult getting concert tickets and any sort of odd number, so we had to buy six. And then when Nate wasn't going to come, we were trying to sell it. And every person that responded to the ad was weirder than the last. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still a weirdo, but at least I'm not just some, like, random At least you're one we know. Exactly. That's That's the important part. But we had so much fun. We went all over Connecticut and Rhode Island. We went to Watch Hill, where Taylor's Beach House is. We went to Mystic, Connecticut, where she hung out a lot last summer. And we have a lot of exciting stories to tell you guys later in the episode. So first thing we have for you is keeping up with Swift. So since we've been on a two-week break, there's actually a ton of Taylor news to catch up on. First and most excitingly, what everybody's been waiting for, any little tidbit that we can get about album five. So this was actually from an interview that Taylor did while she was in Asia for the end of the Red Tour. So it was translated from English into, I guess, either Chinese or Japanese, and then back into English by several different translators. So I don't think it was exactly word for word, but basically what she said about Album 5 was, I'm currently working hard to finish my new album. I can't reveal any details yet, but it's definitely my favorite thing I have done in my whole life, more than the previous ones. Perhaps between October and November would be the right time to release it. Cue the squeal. Yay! Woo! Yeah, I think it's what we all expect, but it's nice to actually hear it from her. Hopefully the translators got the months right, at least. Yeah. <laughs> and other exciting news, Taylor released a CMA consideration video for Entertainer of the Year and Female Vocalist of the Year. This was really exciting for me, personally, because I love country music, and with all the rumors swirling around about Album 5, I was thinking, for sure, this is going to be pure pop, maybe not even a single country song on it. Uh, but this gives me some hope and, and other people who like country music probably can also hold on to that hope that at least maybe a couple songs will be released to country radio. Yeah, I mean, to me, it seems like if she is campaigning especially this early to the CMA committee, then she really expects to be included this upcoming year. So she definitely must have some country on there for her to expect that. Because I would assume that, you know, she'll probably be performing at that point a song off of her album, which will be out by then. Yeah, hopefully. I always love when she's on the CMAs, so I hope she really gets stuff. She's never missed a year <laughs> of attending, I don't think. No, and the video was really cool, too. It, it really showed how much impact she's had across the world. Well, we have a lot of giver news, which is really exciting since Taylor is really getting close for the movie to come out. Taylor talked about The Giver in some interviews. One is on YouTube, which you can watch, and one is at the back of one of the special edition books. She said that the book deeply affected her when she was in middle school when she read it, 
Um, she thought that the role was perfect because she writes her songs retrospectively, and the giver celebrates memory, so that was really cool. Jeff Bridges said that Taylor was just so game. She was up for trying different things, and she had all her own talents that she brought to it, and was so ready to express herself that way. I thought she was a wonderful actress. So I thought that was really cool that Jeff Bridges said that about Taylor. It's a pretty good compliment to get from one of the most famous actors in Hollywood. Yeah, seriously. Another compliment, the giver's author, Lois Lowry, said that both her grandsons picked the scene with Taylor as their favorite from the movie, which is kind of cool. She also said, for those of you who probably read the book, you probably already know, but um, she said that Taylor's role is small, but very crucial and important to the story. So that's also cool. Yeah, and she did mention that Taylor doesn't sing at all in the movie because she didn't want it. They didn't want it to be like a musical. Mm -hmm. But I'm still holding on to a little bit of hope that she's written something for the movie. One Republic just released a song called Ordinary Human that will be included on the soundtrack. But earlier this year, we talked about how there were rumors that Taylor had written with Diane Warren, who's famous for writing songs for movies. So um, I'm still thinking that it's possible she'll have at least one song on there. Yeah, they haven't released the soundtrack listing or anything, have they? No. I can totally see if she does have something on there, releasing it as a surprise, sort of like she did back with Safe and Sound. Hopefully she does. That would be really cool, even if it's not in the actual movie. So also related to The Giver, a really, really cool contest opportunity is going on right now. The Weinstein Company, which is the company that produced the movie, partnered with a fundraising platform called CrowdRise. And basically what they're doing is they're giving 100 fans a chance to attend the premiere and actually see the movie in the same theater at the same time as the stars. So what you have to do is go to CrowdRise.com. The campaign is called The Giver Movie Premiere for Good. You can make an account which gives you your own fundraising page and then ask your friends and family to contribute any amount that they can. The top 100 fundraisers get to attend the movie. And based on what position fundraiser you are, you get closer seats, so closer to the stars and probably closer to Taylor because I'm guessing that she'll be there. So it's just really, really cool. And I think it's great that they teamed up with a good cause because I know fans are so excited for this movie and usually premieres are or something that there's no way for fans to attend so definitely check it out at crowdrise.com one thing just to mention that the official rules say the top 10 fundraisers get to attend this exclusive after party but the rules say taylor will not be there it says you'll meet katie holmes jeff bridges and brenton waits so just so everybody is aware of that yeah taylor might be there but it's not promised or confirmed or anything we're just hoping but another thing that they have for Taylor fans is that anybody who makes a donation to any fundraiser's page in the campaign has a chance to win a Taylor Swift signed guitar. And they said that Taylor will personalize that to the winner. That's really cool. Could you imagine having that? That would be incredible. I mean, I've seen giveaways for her guitars before, but they're never personalized. Mm -hmm. Exactly. If that doesn't give you an incentive to donate, you definitely should do it. In other news, Taylor is nominated for three Teen Choice Awards. She's nominated for Female Artist, Female Country Artist, and also for Best Smile. What you can do is you can vote at teenchoiceawards.com. You can go there and just, just vote. So uh, The show will air live on August 10th at 8 p.m. on Fox. It's still summer, but Taylor has some new fall-style shoes in her Keds line out on keds.com so check them out and then watch the behind the scenes video of the photo shoot it's pretty cool 
she dances in it, which is always amazing. This just reminds me of something that happened to me over the weekend that Haley was with me. We went to this shoe store and I was trying on just like regular work shoes, but they also had a little Keds display. And I talked them into giving me the big picture of Taylor that they had in their display. Mm. Really? Yeah. That's exciting. That's really cool. And I mean, it wasn't a big, big picture, like poster size, it was, but it was the big 8 by 10 It's like on super thick cardstock. It's like all glossy and pretty. Yeah, it was really nice. We tried to get the other one, but he's like, no, we want to keep that one. What's the photo look like? It's um all yellow and Taylor's in the middle, sort of with like her arms out and it says, let the sun shine in. It's like that parachute one. Oh, okay. Cool. And then the one that they had that was still up was the one in her yellow polka dot dress from Mod Cloth. Oh, I love that one. The store told me they still needed that other picture for a while, but I plan to call back to see when they're done with it because I imagine they'll be swapping it out for the fall stuff soon. Swifty problems. <laughs> <laughs> Well, since our last episode, Taylor has been very busy. Uh, She was in Rhode Island for the 4th of July. She was swimming in the pool with Jamie King. And then she had a whole bunch of people come over to her house, um, like Odea Rush, her co-star in The Giver, Emma Stone, Jessica Soar, Ingrid Michelson, Lena Dunham, Amanda Griffith, and of course, Austin was also there. She baked a cake because she's Taylor Swift and that's what she does. She made a slip and slide in her yard. She went to the beach and then she also went boating. After that, she went to New York City for a couple days last week and she was spotted in the Hamptons eating dinner with Steven Spielberg. And so some people are speculating maybe this means she's in talks for another movie role. Who knows? Maybe she was just eating dinner with him. Maybe he's like producing one of her new music videos and it's going to be some epic like cinematic the work of art that would be awesome <laughs> i don't think he does things like that but for taylor he probably would well then she went back to rhode island this weekend she ate dinner at kevin wendell's house and he's actually the co-founder of e and fox networks and she was also spotted playing with a water gun in her backyard which i thought was hilarious since the weekend before she was playing on a slip and slide and a turtle <laughs> but today she was already back in New York looking flawless as always and walking around with Carly Kloss. And then one last thing we wanted to mention in the news to make Swifties aware. Uh, there's a girl named Nicole right now and she's a big Taylor fan. She right now is battling stage four lymphoma and she really would love to meet Taylor. So there's a campaign going around on Twitter and Facebook. On Twitter, the hashtag is Forever Fearless. And on Facebook, her page is called United Hodgkin's Lymphomium Fighter Nicole Domizo. And the way you spell her last name is D-O-M-I-Z-I-O. She has a link to her blog on her Facebook page, and you can read her story. She was just diagnosed in March. She's 22 years old. So when she was diagnosed, it was in the middle of the semester, but she kept going, kept studying, finished her college degree, and now she's just working to fight this thing. And Taylor's music is really helping her through this difficult time. So, you know, if you can help her out, like her page, share the hashtag on Twitter, that would be great. All right, so now for my favorite segment of the entire show, always, the fashion segment. Exciting. Nate, your whole life is a fashion segment. It is. I mean... <laughs> it's just so fashionable. <laughs> my t-shirts, my blue jeans. It's, <laughs> it's a whirlwind of fashion. So on July 1st, Taylor wore a yellow 
Moomoo short sleeve crop top sweater for the low, low price of $580. And she wore that with her top shop mint baby cord skater skirt, which unfortunately is no longer available. And with that, she carried her Dolce & Gabbana clasp fastening tote, which is $2,295. And the cheapest thing of her outfit was in her hair. She had the Anthropology Spring Sequin Bobby Set, which is $22. And her sunglasses that she had on were Prada Two-Tone Retro Rectangle Sunglasses, which are $290. I think Taylor's hair accessories cost more than my average outfit. <laughs> That's so true. And I want them all. All of them. <laughs> On July 2nd, Taylor wore a green and white flora rompo called the Reformation Lilas Romper in Colada, and it was $198. There's a sleeveless romper version in that same print that is at Topshop for only $50. And then she wore that with her yellow Gucci suede pumps, which are on sale right now for $319. They were originally $635. I know what a romper is. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, can you tell the listeners what a romper is? What a romper is? It's like yeah. this... Okay, bear with me. It's like this dress thing with, like, shorts attached to the dress. It's not quite a dress. It's a shorts dress. A shorts dress? Is that what it is? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> it's a shorts dress. I'll accept that. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> Nate is being very impressive. Thank you. We had him study before the episode, though, so it's not entirely it's fair. Well, to be fair, I only remember that from last week when I didn't know what a romper was, and you guys had to tell me. Uh, well, on July 3rd, when Taylor was jumping into the pool with Jamie King and she was riding on the turtle, uh, she wore a Topshop tomato and cream scallop swimsuit. And so you can get that at Topshop for only 15 pounds. In American dollars, that is $25.63. So not bad. All right, Nate, it's all you. <laughs> yeah, oof. <that's> a... <laughs> all right, here I go. All right. So on July 7th, Taylor was back in New York City, and she wore a Reformation Clinton two-piece in jingle for $198. Uh, she carried a green and black Kate Spade Bow Terrace small Fulton bag with it that is not currently available. She also wore neutral-colored Hickelinos Vic Slingback Sandal, $99.95, which are currently sold out, and a unicorn necklace called the Danijo Merv One Necklace for $428. And the necklace is the most expensive thing. It is. Well, I guess the purse might be, but it didn't have a price. But yeah, I was going to say, I want a unicorn necklace, but not for $428. It's so appropriate for her, though, because Taylor is a unicorn. She is. Just like a rare, majestic creature out in the wild. Well, that was the day when I was really confused of if her outfit was swimwear or what was going on. Yeah, it was a daring outfit. It looked great. I just wasn't sure what it was supposed to be. She really pushed the boundaries of fashion. Well, when I first saw a photo, it was a grainy photo that somebody had taken from an iPhone or something. And I thought she was on the beach, too. So So the next day, on July 8th, Taylor wore a Reformation Dune jumper in Betty Sue, which was $198. And it has a floral print and a -a peekaboo cutout in the stomach area. And with that, she carried, once again, her green and black Kate Spade bag. So that was super cute. On July 9th, Taylor again wore Reformation. It seems like she really likes this brand. 
I've checked out their website and they have some cool stuff. It's a bit pricey though. But she wore a purple and white floral reformation dress. It's called the Elmwood dress in Laura print and it's $198. Unfortunately, that one is currently sold out. But the same Laura print is available in a V-cut style, and that's called the Athena style. It's also $198. And she wore her Prada Peep-Toe Slingback sandals, which are also no longer available. And her Todd's Celotote, which is $1,500. I'm looking at their website right now and all their dresses, and I feel like I could go through and predict which ones I think Taylor is going to wear in the near future. Yeah, she's really loved this brand. I think we'll see a lot more of it this summer. Well, it seems like all of their clothes are made for people with extremely long legs, so that makes sense. On July 10th, Taylor wore a white Vince Camuto lace black shirt, which is no longer available, and a Miss Selfridge ticking stripe denim shorts, which is $42.72. Okay, on July 11th, Taylor wore a black Reformation Quince jumpsuit, which is $218. She wore a black Christian Louboutin Karina caged ankle booties. I think that's the only time in my life I've ever said ankle booties, by the way. Those are (laughs) no longer available and carried, and she carried her Dolce & Gabbana large Agagta shoulder bag, which is no longer available. That was good. Well, thank you. Four for you, a guy Swifty. Thank you. (laughs) She seems to have a lot of things that are no longer available. I don't know if that's because they're selling out or... I think it's half because designers just give her special things and half because as soon as she's spotted in something, people run out and buy it. Yeah. So while visiting Kevin Wendell's home in Rhode Island on July 12th, Taylor wore a striped taupe dress called the Gary Graham Archive Sundress. It was $550. It's sold out on Gary Graham's website, but at Shop Bird Boutique, it is available in a size 8. I actually thought this was really cool because a few days before when she was in New York, she was spotted carrying a Gary Graham bag. Um, You know, people can say stuff like, oh, she can't possibly dress herself. She must have people doing it for her. But she was out shopping there and then she wore the dress a couple of days later. Her shopping, though, probably consists of her glancing at something and they like throw it at her. Probably. <laughs> Please wear this. <laughs> so I learned some things from Ashley Smith. Uh, this past week about fashion. <laughs> Two important fashion notes. Oh, can you teach us? I think so. I think I can teach you guys okay. a little bit about fashion. <laughs> One, fashion is all about pushing boundaries. Am I right? That's pretty accurate, yeah. Is that, yeah. And accessorizing. Also important. Exactly. Do you know what that means? Something to do with like hairpins or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just put on hairpins and you're good to go. <laughs> Fashionable. <laughs> so it's safe to say I'm a fashionista. Yeah. <laughs> Soon you're going to be designing clothes for Taylor to wear. <laughs> well, actually, Nate, you really pushed the boundaries when you wore your Taylor Swift shirt to the Katy Perry concert. <laughs> I did, on purpose. I had to do it for Taylor, really. Representing. I was like, Scott's going to be there. Leah's going to be there. Other guy with the weird name's going to be there. We're all the way up in the nosebleed, so they definitely saw us. <laughs> so we want to give a big thanks to tswiftstyle.net for tracking down all these outfits. And you guys can visit her site for more information. So now we're going to move on to our main discussion. First, we're going to talk a little bit about our Swiftcation. And then we're going to move on to Taylor's Wall Street Journal editorial. So 
first, we would love to tell you all about our vacation. We kind of briefly touched upon it earlier, but well, why don't you guys start? Because you guys were there, you know, longer than I was, I guess. It was amazing. <laughs> done. <laughs> and done. Okay, let's moving on. <laughs> no, but really, it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of awesome food, um, ice cream, lobster rolls. Lobsters. Yeah, lobsters, which unfortunately missed out on. Fourth of July, well, you guys saw fireworks. Every day I was there, we went to the beach in Rhode Island um, over at Watch yeah. Hill, which is so beautiful, beautiful, by the way. Yeah, this town is gorgeous. One, I loved being near her house just because I live so far away, but that town is just so magical and so cute, and you just want to stay there forever because it's so adorable. I really understand why Taylor wanted to live there. It is a beach town fit for a queen. <laughs> and even the little shops there are so cool and Taylor-esque. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even I can agree to that, like, seriously. Every store that we went in, I was like, Taylor would buy this. Taylor would wear this. I should ask them if Taylor's ever been in here. Like, you could just tell like, it was the perfect place for her. And I just loved every minute of it. And we even saw at one of the stores, if you guys remember that picture of when Taylor first moved in, of her and Selena with the mermaid statue, we actually saw, the, we went to the antique store that apparently she bought it from, and we saw an exact replica of the statue. And we all got our pictures with it and stuff too, so that was cool. They also had a mini mermaid statue that I almost bought. It was $45, I think, for the mini one. Yeah, we couldn't find the price on the big one. <laughs> And the store also had a little shrine to Taylor. They had a couple of photos of her. Yeah, it was cool. Wasn't it the shop owner and his daughter? Wasn't it? Is that what it was? Who went yeah. to? Yeah, they went to the Country Music Hall of Fame for a banquet with Taylor. Yeah, they have a little dedication to it in the store. And they also have the picture of Taylor and Selena with the statue. And we found this in a lot of the shops. They would say that Taylor's parents come in a lot and shop at the stores. Which is so funny to me because I've never seen one single picture of them in Rhode Island. Scott was just there this past weekend. But aside from that, I agree. I haven't really... Well, other than when Scott, Ed, and Taylor went paddle boarding last summer. Yeah. I didn't really know they went there that frequently. I'm guessing maybe like if they're not with Taylor and they're just walking around on their own, a lot of the people in town either don't recognize them or just don't pay them that much attention because... You know, everyone's just sort of enjoying their vacation there. It's a very laid-back, chill town, so I don't think that people would necessarily snap their pictures unless they were walking with Taylor. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe the town. Because even though people knew Taylor was there, and there were security guards surrounding her house, but nobody was disrespectful or, you know... I mean, there have been some crazy stories around that house over the past year since she moved there, but we didn't see anything suspicious or inappropriate going on i mean she has guards around the perimeter and then on like every level of the house too it's crazy unfortunately we were not invited to play on the slip and slide with taylor that would have been so fun <laughs> it was really cool to actually see that go down though i knew they were going down the hill i just didn't know what they were going down the hill on or what they were exactly doing but we were leaving the beach as that was happening her house is so close to the beach that even though she has a big fence around it, you can see a lot of what's going on, too. Mm. Well, we kept hoping she would come down to the actual beach, and I was like, if she descends onto this public <laughs> beach, like, a red carpet is going to roll out, like, the heavens are going to open up. <laughs> <laughs> the heavens will part. Like, <laughs> She did have some pictures of all her and all her friends, like, running into the ocean and stuff, but they must have done it way later in the day when the beach had pretty much cleared mm. out. And they were also out on a boat, too. Yeah, that looked fun. And we thought we might have spotted the boat. 
uh, because there was a big port with all these boats in them. Right. Yeah, the marina was huge. It was like you'd see all these different boats, and there, there were a few that kind of looked like Taylor's, but we think we identified specifically which one was Taylor's. We think she might have rented it out, so that was really cool. Yeah, it was actually pretty close, so with my zooming skills on my camera, it looked pretty dang close to the one she... If it wasn't the one she rented out that day, it was definitely that same exact model. I think living in that town would be so fun because it's just so gorgeous. The water's really pretty and it was too cold for me to get in other than my feet. But it, it's such a pretty town and just very laid back. The people were nice. Food was amazing. I think I was the only one that actually went in the water. And yes, it felt like an ice cold bath jumping into like a freezing cold lake. Yeah, it was probably 50 degrees. But uh, at least Jill and I had a nice stroke of good luck right after our vacation. Jill has been posting pictures of her and I trying to get Taylor to notice us, understand that her and I would not be dating, basically, if it was not for Taylor. So anyway, on, what was that, the 11th, I think, a few, just a few days ago, and so randomly, stroke of luck, Jill happened to post another picture on Instagram, tag Taylor in it, and Taylor ended up seeing it because she ended up liking it on Instagram. So... Her and I were very excited about that. It was, like, unbelievable. Could not believe it. And it was kind of a happy day for me, too, because I snapped that photo. She did snap that photo. <laughs> it was a very cute photo of them looking at each other and holding hands. It was very adorable. You could see the water in the background. It was a great the sun photo. was setting. It was pretty. So I was like, I took that photo. Haley liked the photo I took of them. <laughs> It was on in Watch Hill, so it would be amazing if Taylor realized that it was actually in Watch Hill. Yeah, it was down over by, like, uh, there's, like, a lighthouse very close to Taylor's house, so it's in, like, a little field right outside of it. Yeah, if Jill was here, she would probably be screaming through this podcast. <laughs> I was really excited because I was sitting at dinner on Friday night, and... I saw I had a missed call from Jill. I was at dinner, so I texted her. Then she called again, so I knew something really must be up. So I answered. She was, like, screaming, and she was so excited, <laughs> and I was so excited for her. It really is an awesome thing to hear someone gets that excited over, like, something that they've wanted. Haley and I were at dinner together with my boyfriend and a couple of my friends and you know they're not really in the swifty fandom so they were like what picture was it what's going on <laughs> we had to explain it to them <laughs> yeah it's really exciting just to know that taylor knows you guys exist i think that july 11th will forever be a lucky day last year that was the day when i got the phone call telling me that i was going to get to meet taylor mm -hmm. which was right after i got my free slurpee so it was a very good day and, you know, next year, July 11th, should be, I guess, on a Saturday, right? So there probably will be a show. Oh, yeah. There probably will be. Go and do it. <laughs> It'll be in, like, Alaska. <laughs> We're all going. Juno. So anyway, it was great seeing everybody again. It was great seeing all of you guys and Ashley Smith. We, we really had a lot of fun. So now we're going to be uh, moving on to our next part of our main discussion, which is the Wall Street Journal editorial that Taylor submitted. I'm sorry. I think she needs to now be referred to as Professor Swift. Professor Swift uh, <laughs> submitted an article. <laughs> it was just so smart. It just blew my mind completely. I just, I'm still not over it. It's very articulate and just on point and, and had just awesome insights into the future of the music industry. So it was really a great read. Yeah, it was. I think, like everybody already said, it was so articulate and so well-written. She first started to talk about just the future of the music industry and said how 
She's really optimistic, unlike most people, with piracy and file sharing and streaming, a lot of album sales have gone down. But Taylor said that, in my opinion, the value of an album is, and will continue to be, based on the amount of heart and soul an artist has bled into a body of work. And so her point of view is that music is art, and art is important and rare. Important, rare things are valuable. Valuable things should be paid for. It's my opinion that music should not be free, and my prediction is that individual artists and their labels will someday decide what an album's price point is. I hope they don't underestimate themselves or undervalue their art. And so that was interesting. She really talked about how nowadays major recording artists are pretty much giving their music away with these really exclusive deals, you know, selling full albums for 99 cents, things like that. And one of the quotes that I really loved was, my hope for the future, not just in the music industry, but in every young girl I meet, is that they realize their worth and ask for it. So I thought this was interesting. Did you guys think maybe that targeted people like Lady Gaga or Beyonce or something? You know, these artists who are kind of giving their music away. I would say Rihanna, I think, is a, is a good one for a good example for that, to be honest. Well, I remember when Lady Gaga's album was 99 cents, and that was literally the only reason I got it. Oh, hmm. Personally, I wouldn't pay more than that for her album, but that's just me. One thing that I thought was really interesting is this brought me back to the Ed Sheeran documentary. And when he was being interviewed, he had a quote saying his album plus was the most illegally downloaded album. Something like Mm -hmm. 43 million or something people had the album, but he didn't really care at all. He said he's just really stoked to know that that many people have the album and can access it i think that's you know i wonder if he'll still think the same thing like as the years go on because i think when you're just starting out or when you're really trying to gain traction you just want as many people as possible to hear your music i would bet that when taylor was younger she may have felt that way too but after a while i feel like when you've really proven yourself as she says you pour your heart and soul into it and it deserves to be paid for and you know i think that's why taylor is so successful in selling the number of copies she does Because she and Scott refuse to stream her new albums on services like Spotify until later. And so when Red was released, people couldn't listen to it via those methods. So if you want the album, you go out and buy it. And that's the way it should be. Yeah, and I mean, of course, there's still iTunes and everything. You can still get it right online if you're not going to go out to the store, but you should at least pay something for it. And, you know, I think she's one of very few artists who not only are we going to buy the album, we're going to buy multiple versions, every version of the album, deluxe version, the deluxe deluxe version, the store exclusive (laughs) version, the limit does not exist. Every single one of her singles. Yeah. She was the perfect person to write on this because she is it. You know, she's the one who can sell over a million copies of an album in the first week. And I would bet that that's why they asked her to write this and wanted to publish her because the Wall Street Journal is no small publication. Yeah. And I can guarantee she's going to do it again. I can't wait. 
exceeding her records even. 1.5 million at least, right? Yep. In her next section, she proceeded to go on to point out that people are still buying albums, but they're just not buying as many of them. They're only buying the ones that are like hitting them the most personal or have the strongest feelings for, or she said that makes them feel like they're not alone. And then she went on to tell about how the artists who are going to break through and I have a really good connection with fans. She went on to say that the way she sees it is fans are going to view music as a relationship. She said some music is just going to be for fun and some are going to be a passing fling. Some um, songs and albums are going to represent certain parts of their lives or how she said seasons of our lives, which was very poetic. And she said also like relationships, they hold dear memories and the time and place and stuff and then she ended with saying that the fans are going to be finding these artists they're going to be the one artist that's the one that they love the most so i can obviously remember as i'm sure we all can when i had that realization and that feeling about taylor which was when i first heard tim mcgraw on the radio and you know i think that's just gotten stronger and stronger for me And when something like that happens, you really can't explain what draws you so much to that artist. And so after years and years and years of Taylor obviously being my number one priority and artist that I support, I recently had this experience that's been interesting where this artist, her name is Kate Vogel, and I've loved her music for years, but sort of just followed it casually. And then I went to a live show of hers for the first time in April of this past year and I had one of these moments where I like got so hooked that her music has just become an obsession for me ever since and I compare it to Taylor because it's just as strong of a feeling and as a connection that I had where when you feel like an artist really really understands you that inspires you to support them to go out and buy the albums to go buy the concert tickets and then go again and again and again it's not something that you just do for fun it's like a need that you feel because of the bond that this artist's music has created taylor said that's a dream bond as an artist to have is to have that kind of relationship and i love that she went on saying that the beach boys is her father's favorite and then her mom it's carly simon so that was really cool to see that And then she went on continuing about this bond with fans that the future will come in forms of trying to constantly provide the fans with an element of surprise and try to keep that bond as loyal as they can. And she also mentioned in this section that in our YouTube generation, she goes out on stage every night of every tour in the last year knowing that almost every fan had already seen it online so she found ways to continue to show them something that they've never seen before by doing her the special songs every night by bringing out special guests because she doesn't want people who had seen it just to not come because they watched it online or for the fans who come multiple times not to get bored so that's something that she really was focusing on and my favorite is this last part which I'm basically just gonna read because it's so profound and it's completely so true she said there are a few things I have witnessed becoming obsolete in the past few years the first being autographs 
I haven't been asked for an autograph since the invention of the iPhone with a front-facing camera. The only memento kids these days want is a selfie. It's part of the new currency, which seems to be how many followers you have on Instagram. Which, you just see it all, like we were mentioning earlier, was um, with Jill getting her like. Not that she wanted, like, all these things. She just wanted some, like, notice. Mm-hmm. But when we were all at Katy Perry concert together, Katy Perry knelt down, took a picture, a selfie with someone, and she even mentioned that she's like, you're going to get a lot of follows tonight or a lot of likes tonight. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's so true. It's crazy to me. I mean, I personally would love the autograph of anything I would care most about, even just, you know, just meeting Taylor. But when it comes down to it, like, I wouldn't even care about the selfie. Well, you're not a kid these days, Nate. I, okay, yeah. <laughs> kid these days. I'm 24, so it's like, yeah. I get where everyone's coming from. Mm. I mean, like, I don't think I would actually want, quote unquote, a selfie, but I would, I would probably rather have a picture with Taylor that I can look at forever mm. than just an autograph with my name on it. Right. So, like, if, if you got a quick selfie really quick with Taylor, that would be amazing. Mm. Versus, like, you know, going through a meet-and-greet line, that would still be on my level of amazing. Ideally, I would want both, but... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now you're just being greedy. This is our problem with all things Taylor-related. We just want everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Swifty problems. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of with Nate on this. Like, I would never sell any of my Taylor stuff, Mm -hmm. but the value of a selfie is worthless when you put a price on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Obviously I already said, I'm not going to sell any of my stuff, but I keep my autographed items in really good condition because I'm going to keep them forever and hopefully pass them down to my kids or something. And they'll probably be like, Oh, my mom's such a loser for liking Taylor and like (laughs) sell them or I'll I'll be so mad on the other side. I worry about that too. So I'll be like, my dad. <laughs> My dad's such a loser. He likes Taylor. <laughs> but um, there's no value in having mm-hmm. a selfie. It, for me, if I ever was fortunate enough to get one, I would obviously value it for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of interesting. People have written responses to Taylor's paragraph on this and, and kind of said the same thing. You know, There's just no value monetarily to a selfie, but it's what people want these days. Um, And actually, one of my favorite parts of this section was another thing that kind of gives me hope for album number five. When Taylor says, some music is just for fun, and then she gives an example of the ones you dance to, and, you know, the song's a huge radio hit, but then, you know, you kind of forget about that song because it was just like a fun get your energy up kind of song and obviously all of Taylor's songs, even the more poppy, like We Are Never Ever, 22, Trouble, they have more meaning than your typical bubblegum pop that you really Mm. do forget about within a minute. But it's nice to see that Taylor recognizes this and it gives me a lot of hope. We're not going to have an album full of just, we are never ever getting back together. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, I love those songs. They're great. But for me, songs like all too well, treacherous, you know, sad, beautiful, tragic have a lot of meaning and you know, Taylor's never going to change. She's never going to stray from that. And it was just nice to see this, affirmation from her that she recognizes it and you know it just makes me even more excited about the next album 
So the next section is all about fan power and how that affects basically your place in the music industry. Um, she describes how her friend, who's an actress, told us, had this anecdote about when it came down to two actresses, the casting director ended up choosing the actress that had more Twitter followers. She kind of illuminates the, you know, this idea of fan power with this anecdote. And then furthermore, she explains how back in 2005, when she uh, went to like her first record label meetings, how um, she was explaining to them how basically MySpace worked, how she was communicating to her fans through MySpace. She says that in the future, artists will get record deals because they have fans and not the other way around. Oh, that's so true. It's crazy true, yeah. You look at, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, Justin Bieber, I believe he started on YouTube. And through his followers, I mean, basically, he basically got launched into the music industry. So it's probably a very rough description, but, but it's just one idea of how your online influence has such a power in choosing who will be next to make it in the industry. And then she goes on to say um, how... She notices that genre distinction is really kind of fading into the gray. She says, quote, These days, nothing great you hear on the radio seems to come from just one musical influence. The wild, unpredictable fun in making music today is that anything goes. Pop sounds like hip-hop, country sounds like rock, rock sounds like soul, and folk sounds like country. And to me, that's incredible progress. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, because I've noticed this too, how, how all these genres just kind of, you know, seem to kind of blend into each other. It almost like erases the like the bigotry I would, I would almost say about what defines a certain genre of music anyway she uh she goes on to say that she wants to make music that reflects all of her influences and she thinks that in the coming decades the idea of genres will become less of a career defining path and more of like a just an organizational tool for music and she also goes on to say that in doing this stepping out of your comfort zone is rewarded and this type of sonic evolution is not only accepted, but celebrated. So it's so true because for as many people as you know, you might find on the internet complaining about her hopping genres all the time. She's winning at everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, really. <laughs> Whatever she's doing, it's working for her. Does she really care that a few people listening to country radio say she's not country? No, it's yeah. the reason why she's been such a global phenomenon is because she's able to do that. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I love the part when she talks about how you have to evolve and mm -hmm. take risks because I love all of her albums. And, you know, sometimes I don't know if I could pick a favorite, but sometimes I feel like I do like Fearless and Speak Now better than Red, but it, it changes on a daily basis. But when she released those two albums, I did think sonically they sounded kind of similar. And so when she was going on to the fourth album, I was kind of like, I hope she does something a little different here or else people are just going to say she sounds the same all the time, which people still say. And I, I don't understand because if anybody's out there taking risks, it's her. But so many artists these days just do the same thing over and over because they realize it worked once. So you might as well just keep doing it, right? It's going to work forever. And it, it doesn't. No. People get bored. Right. She ends up saying, uh, I, I really like this quote, she says, the only real risk is being too afraid to take a risk at all. And it just kind of sums it up very nicely. Absolutely. The final thing that she talks about in this article is the celebrity spotlight. And she says, there will always be an increasing fixation on the private lives of musicians, especially the younger ones. And then she says how artists who were really big 10, 20, 30 years ago tell her, it was never this crazy for us. And I think that social media has 
unfortunately made it even so much crazier than it was. I mean, everybody, like we said, they want their likes on Instagram and their selfies, and sometimes they'll go to very great lengths to get those, unfortunately. And even the paparazzi, before they would just sell their pictures to magazines, and now they can do such a variety of things with them. I feel like it's probably made it worse. And then she said that she thinks that one day she'll be telling the new younger artists, oh, it was never this crazy for me. And then she says, God help them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, with how crazy it is for her, that really scares me to think about it being even worse for artists in 10 years. I do have to say, I don't think there will ever be another Taylor Swift. I don't know how anybody could ever connect people like she does. Oh, no, no, definitely not. But I guess even for celebrities who aren't Taylor Swift, it is still crazy today for them. And it probably will only get worse. The last thing she touches on is just that there's always been and continues to be this bad girl versus good girl, clean cut versus sexy. And she said she thinks there's room for both. And everyone needs someone to relate to and there's no like right or wrong image as long as you're being true to yourself and connecting with your fans and then she ends it on what was to me slightly a sad note and somewhat concerning she says as for me i'll just be sitting back and growing old watching all of this happen or not happen all the while trying to maintain a life rooted in this same optimism And I'd also like a nice garden. (laughs) I thought this was sad, too. It reminded me a bit of the lucky one. Mm, Just this, yeah, this idea of whether or not she's actually going to continue in the music industry. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of when I read that particular part as well. Especially just saying that she wants that garden. (laughs) I think she's just trying to be cute at the end there, but... (laughs) I'd also like a nice garden. Oh, Taylor. (laughs) Even if she does take a step back, she'll still be writing songs, at least. Hmm. And I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Sometimes I almost fantasize about, like, if her career dies way down. Not like I don't want her to be successful, but, you know, if the hype just dies down a little and she can just do, like, low-key songwriter nights in Nashville again. That would be really cool. I mean, I picture her at, like, you know, probably, like, 40 years old when I think about this. Yeah, I don't see it, like, happening anytime in the next 10 years. I think the coolest thing about this article is, granted, she has excellent insights, Um, Just the idea that anyone, whether it's Taylor or not, who is directly in the heart of the music industry and then writes this piece on how they see the future of the music industry, uh, all these thoughts and ideas have to be so like accurate as to what's actually going to be happening in the future. So She's right about everything, so why wouldn't she be right about this? Exactly. Well, yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Like, I mean, <laughs> everything she writes is just spot on in every single way, and all I thought about at the end of this was, God, I really hope she writes a book. She's that. such a good writer. I mean, obviously, we've seen it in her songs for years, but I don't think there's ever been such a good example of her just writing an essay form like this before, and mm. it really blew me away, and... I mean, I think she should write a column every week, but she's probably a little busy for that. <laughs> it's strange because I opened my newspaper and then uh, the clouds parted and an <laughs> angelic light shone down upon. <laughs> By Taylor Swift. By Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, I was um, scrambling in the airport because it was the day that it had come out trying to get a hard copy of the paper. And luckily we found one. And I was like... I would never picture myself running around trying to buy a Wall Street Journal, but of course, Taylor Swift can make me do that. (laughs) Yeah, it was you, Ashley, Ashley Smith, and me were like, only Taylor can make us buy a Wall Street Journal. We, We don't normally buy Wall Street, but Taylor would. We would buy it for her. 
And it was so cool to see the bio on that. Like, Taylor Swift is a seven-time <laughs> Grammy winner. And... <laughs> oh, is that who she is? Oh, Taylor Swift. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this up-and-coming artist. So anyway, excellent article by Taylor Swift. Um, if you guys have not read it, you need to check it out. Um, it is online, so you can just Google it. Wall Street Journal, Taylor Swift. It should come right up on the future of the music industry. So... Um, if you guys have any of your own comments or questions or, you know, anything pertaining to uh, our main discussion, uh, you can definitely contact us and let us know what you think. Finally, we just have a couple of reminders for you. Please press the subscribe button on iTunes and that will download the latest episode for you automatically. So it will always be there. You can contact us in a variety of ways. So on Taylor Connect, we are SwiftCast13. On Twitter, we are at SwiftCast13. You can email us at theswiftcast13 at gmail.com. On Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com slash theswiftcast. And our website is swiftcast13.com. And you can find all of these contact methods listed right on there. On Twitter, if you're not yet following us at SwiftCast13, you definitely should because we're getting very close to 5,000 followers. And when we do, we're going to do another live Google Hangout and announce our next giveaway. Should be exciting. So tell all your Swifty friends to follow us at SwiftCast13. So what do you guys think next week Taylor is going to do? I think she's finally going to tell us when to tune in to hear about Album 5. Oh, that was mine. I mean, it might not be next week, but it's going to be very, very, very soon. It has to be. Yeah, I think we're going to get some kind of teaser. And if we don't, I'm going to be sad because I feel like I've been waiting for two years for this. Almost two years. Well, I think next week Taylor is going to buy the Wall Street Journal and then rename it just the great Taylor Swift (laughs) and then start publishing. Actually, hiring a bunch of people to publish things for her. Maybe she'll change her Twitter handle to Professor Swift. 13. Professor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> so for episode 60, this has been Nate. Ashley. Haley. It's Steph. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Peace out, Swift Scouts. Oh, my line again. It's my line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. The theme song for SwiftCast was written and performed by Sydney Ann Chuck. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.